Absolutely, one hundred percent. So you can find me on Instagram at Smart Alec. Smart Alec. Life. Yep. Smart Alec Life. Yeah. Instagram. Have you got a Facebook one page? A L E C. Yep. Alec Cooper is my Facebook. Uh, uh, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have LinkedIn or. Have you got TikTok? Uh, yeah, I do. Boring, fun, comedy. Love but it. prepare yourself. <laughs> Boring, fun, comedy. I'm all sure. One word. I'm sure it's not. Yeah. Good. Good luck, Alex. <laughs> Lovely to talk to Thank you. Thank you so much. See bye you bye next time. Radio Italia 1. Sono le 18. Italia 1 News. Buongiorno dalla redazione. Alle 6.30 di questa mattina a Westminster Hall si sono chiuse al pubblico le porte della Camera Ardente della Regina Elisabetta II. È iniziato così l'ultimo saluto alla sovrana, scomparsa lo scorso 8 settembre a 96 anni. Negli ultimi giorni migliaia di persone hanno atteso per ore in fila per rendere omaggio al feretro, ai funerali di Stato della Regina che chiudono dieci giorni di lutto nazionale. Sono attesi in circa 2000 all'abbazia di Westminster, inclusi 500 tra capi di Stato e di Governo e dignitari, un milione di persone per le strade di Londra. Intanto ieri sera Re Carlo III aveva ringraziato il mondo per gli atti di omaggio e le testimonianze di rispetto verso lo spirito di servizio della regina manifestate negli ultimi dieci giorni. Manifestazioni che stanno uscendo allo scoperto proprio in queste ore in occasione dell'ultimo addio. Nella metropolitana di Parigi, ad esempio, spuntano delle targhe affisse alla stazione Giorgio V. Sulle targhe con il nome della stazione ne verranno affisse temporaneamente altre con scritto Elisabetta II 1926-2002 che saranno ritirate in serata in Ucraina poco dopo la mezzanotte l'esercito russo ha lanciato un attacco missilistico sulla zona industriale della centrale nucleare nella regione meridionale di Mikolaiv la potente esplosione è avvenuta a soli 300 metri da reattori ha dichiarato in una nota la compagnia nucleare statale ucraina Energotom l'onda d'urto ha danneggiato gli edifici gli edifici della centrale sono state scollegate anche tre linee elettriche ad alta tensione. Un 27enne di origini pakistane è stato denunciato dai carabinieri di Saregno per atti osceni davanti ad un minore. Domenica sera su un convoglio una 17enne ha visto sedersi qualche sedile più avanti l'uomo. Il 27enne ha iniziato a riprendere la giovane compiendo atti di autoerotismo. Quindi l'intervento dei carabinieri che sono arrivati sul posto e hanno identificato il ragazzo. Il caro Bollette mette a rischio anche la vita delle parrocchie che danno vita a diverse forme di protesta. Il parroco di San Vincenzo alla Tessa in provincia di Chieti ha pubblicato in rete la bolletta. A San Vero Milis in provincia di Oristano si è deciso di spegnere il campanile di Santa Sofia, mentre a Claut in provincia di Pordenone un parroco ha richiamato la comunità a dare una mano. Intanto la conferenza episcopale italiana si prepara alla riunione del consiglio permanente. Il caro energia non è al momento tra i punti in agenda ma potrebbe essere fissato un primo incontro. Lo sport, il calcio, la settima giornata di Serie A ha confermato il momento nero di Inter e Juventus con Inzaghi e Allegri finiti nei guai. I nerazzurri hanno perso tre partite in campionato su sette sempre subendo tre gol. I bianconeri dall'inizio della stagione hanno battuto solo Sassuolo e Spezia in casa. La notizia però è che secondo i rumors i due tecnici non rischiano il posto. Entrambi resteranno in panchina provando ad invertire la rotta dopo la pausa per le nazionali. È tutto, a più tardi. Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. 
We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Uh, hi, hello, Rex. Hello, Matt. Our guest's name is Rex today. We're going to hear from him in just a little bit. Uh, I just, but first, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. And uh, ask how and thank you for being away from your four lovely grandchildren and taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got a lot of things going on. Did you do anything exciting this weekend? With the with grandchildren. The, with the grandchildren? The five-year-old had his fifth birthday as it happened all right coincided with his five okay and that was one of four birthday parties he had and so two granddaughters two grandsons whole pile of fun he had four birthday parties the five-year-old yeah with this family here and family there and making it all work and the kids but it, it, it all works it's good Wow. Does he have a royal title, too, if he has no, five birthdays? No, 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 no. Not a royal title. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, our guest today, as I said, is Rex Buckingham. He's somebody that has over 50 years' experience in business as an owner, an employee, a manager, a business consultant, and a public speaker. He's a published author, and his client list reads like a who's who in Adelaide. He currently runs companies called Leadership Thinking, the Leadership, excuse me, Leadership Thinking Academy, Color Thinking, and does work as an anti-bullying advocate. He's also very passionate about helping people and companies create their own personal brand. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but Rex, because you have so much experience, knowledge, and wisdom that you can share with our guests, but. Uh, the, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I really, really enjoyed uh, reading your book, uh, Develop uh, Through Leadership Thinking, uh, and, and particularly the journey that in the beginning where you talk about from school through your first six jobs, or six positions, you call them, I think, and, and what you learned from those and how you, like myself, were you know, not very, doing very well financially, then became well off, then broke, then well off, then broke, and then back to well off. Okay, <laughs> so it's kind of the same journey I've had. Can can we take a few minutes and and you talk about, you know, each of those, you know, your schooling and those six positions and what the key thing was that you learned in each of the positions that you had? Yes, I can, and I often talk about this. Um, it's a subject close to my heart because it's me. And part of the conversation tonight's about branding. And uh, I was branded fairly early on as being a no-account. I, I called myself an amoeba. Mm. Uh, so I was perhaps the most unsuccessful boy at school in the history of the school. And uh, so each year, I'm sure the teachers would say to the, to the following teacher, uh, bad luck, you've got Rex, he's not going anywhere. You just, uh, you know, put up with him type of thing. And so I... I'd lost all confidence in myself, and in fact, the only thing that I ever was successful in at school was uh, developing a very pronounced stutter, so I couldn't get a second word out for about two years, and so my dad uh, lost patience with me because I was really an embarrassment, and, and I'd lost patience with myself, and, and things were pretty dark, really, in, in that point of view as, as my own self-image. And so somehow I um, I, I got the, the guts to... Uh, address the headmaster and uh, say to him, you know, this is not working and uh, I think maybe I shouldn't come back on my 15th year. 
Uh, so uh, he said, yes, Rex, I think that's probably right. You must, you're better off perhaps uh, finding another way to move forward. And so I went home and told mum and dad, and, and they sort of agreed. They'd been paying these exorbitant school fees since I was five, and uh, to no avail, or to a negative avail. I wasn't good at sport. I wasn't good at acad- academically. I was just a bit of a dud. And so I applied for a job at Woolworths. And uh, this was going back before the, the current store. It was a, a single floor. And uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday, Matt. Uh, I was very trepidatious. I was fearsome, fearful, I should say, not fearsome. And uh, there were 35 steps uh, going up to the mezzanine and the uh, assistant manager uh, had his office on the mezzanine and there was 35 steps and there was 35 boys going for one job. Mm. And so I went in and had the interview and uh, a day or two later, mum got a phone call saying, can you send Rex back in? And they gave me the job. So here's a boy with no academic capacity and can't speak and he gets a job. So my... My life's been anchored in a thing called leadership really ever since then. And I, I didn't know it was that then, but uh, that's why I'm so uh, so focused now on uh, on the concept of leadership and why the, why the concept of brand is so important because I'd branded myself, Matt, as a dud. And everybody else around had uh, happily concurred. Uh, but this guy, Tom Gifford, his name is, he's now passed, he must have found something. And I said to him, about six months later, I said, uh, Tom, why did you hire me? And he said, Rex, there was nobody in those 35 boys who needed it more than you did. And so he showed me, he had faith in me. And so in the book that you spoke of, I say quite a few things numerously. And one of the things I say quite a lot of is people live up to or down to expectations mm. and that becomes self-fulfilling. And uh, what perhaps I don't say as much is, and then that becomes self-fulfilling for the person. So it becomes fulfilling for people around that person and for the person. If you don't think I'm worth anything, then I don't think I'm worth anything. But Tom thought I was worth something. So uh, as it turned out, I became the youngest manager in the history of Woolworths. So this boy who, uh, who couldn't speak and had no academic background suddenly became a bit of a hit and I think a bit of an arrogant hit actually because I think I got a bit big for my boots <laughs> I think all those years of being bullied and put down <laughs> perhaps came out and and uh, the, the the store manager uh, uh, John McGowan his name was um, he helped to hold me back when I when I got a bit presumptuous and mm. so they were really really important people in my life and uh, and uh, I was very lucky, Matt. In my consultancy time, I found a lot of poor managers, a lot of people who act badly. But in all of the jobs I had, I was very lucky to get six absolutely outstanding managers and who, all, who were all leaders, and they encouraged me and rewarded me with their time and their respect. And so in my commercial life, I was privileged to learn so much by their behaviour and by what they did, but mostly by the way they handled people, how they worked with people. Mm. I, I'd like to high point, just to uh, highlight a couple of the things, uh, points you made there. Um, 
and, and, and maybe ask a couple questions. The first one was, uh, how, how did you feel? I mean, I, I was listening to you talk about when you were 15 and you went into the principal and said, gosh, I guess I shouldn't come back. Or you said head, headmaster, sorry, but mm. you know, and then you, and then you told your parents, "Oh, I don't think I should go to school anymore," and they go, "Oh yeah, we agree." I mean, how did that feel when when you go to them and say, "Hey, I'm no good," and they're like, "Yeah, you're right, you're no good." Yeah. I mean, that's but what it sounds like happened to me. I mean, yeah. how, how did that feel? I don't know that they. I don't think you're no good ever came out as words. <laughs> well, but it, that's how it sounds I, 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 to I, I, to an I, observer. Yeah, I you can know? see that, but I think it, I think it was just a huge amount of relief. Wow! That I didn't have to go back to school, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to sit in the lowest level of the four levels mm-hmm. in in the year, each year, mm. and that I wasn't looking forward to just being a dud again. Mm. And and I was scared because I, you know I'm, I'm I am a dud. And I'm going to apply for a job, so surely I'm going to be a dud here. Mm. And uh, I think just the act of them offering me the job, and I knew there was 34 other boys, was something that was quite uh, powerful. You know, that in fact maybe, maybe there is something you know worth uh, mm. in, in me. So mm. you know, yeah. But I don't, I don't to this day know where I got the guts to. Uh, I mean, the headmasters. Um, Secretary was Miss Wennerbaum. Mm-hmm. Now that, that's a quite a long, some, some slightly complex name, and for a boy who stutters, it must mm-hmm. have taken me ten minutes to say good morning, Miss Wennerbaum. So, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things the headmaster did was he got me to go and interview the governor. Mm-hmm. He, he put me on the school paper. He said this will help you with confidence, and he said, by the way, I've got a, uh, a meeting scheduled with the governor. So this is fabulous. So I'm <laughs> walking towards Government House and i got to approach the, the little pillbox at the front where the mm-hmm. policeman is. And I'm thinking, you know, I was scared. Mm-hmm. And the policeman came out to me and he said, Hi, are you Rex Buckingham? So he'd been worded up to save me the embarrassment of saying who I was. And I said, yes. That, was, that wasn't too hard to get out. And he said, oh, no, the, the governor is expecting you. And I turned around and I walked through the big gates and the governor was down at the gates. Mm. And he came down to help me out with the conversation so I could just relax. And that mm. was all set up by the headmaster. And, um, you know, so I had a lot of respect for the headmaster. But he did, he was in charge of me for all of my schooling and he let me be a dud. Mm. And so that wasn't so good. You mentioned in the book you're an amoeba. I don't remember you defining what that means or what, well, what, what do you mean by that? Isn't it an, an amoeba that spineless thing? That oh, okay. Sits, yeah, sits yeah. It's sea. a protozoan that just kind that, of that, that was, rolls over stuff. That was me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you felt you were spineless. You just didn't uh, have I, nothing going for me. Uh, wow. Well, they must have saw something in you. I, I, I don't buy into that. You they just gave you the job out of charity. They saw something. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, uh, did you, you ever know, ask him what did you see in me? Or no, as I said, he, yeah, he said they, that you saw, needed it. I the needed most, it most, and, and uh, I don't know if he had any children or if he knew of any kids that in his own environment that perhaps mm. hadn't, hadn't found their spot yet as well. Mm. But uh, no, I, oh, I, okay, I, I could shed no further light on it. Well, I do want to say the one thing that you pointed out that I think is so important, and that you do really well now, from everything I've heard from everybody that's. I've, that has talked to me about you is the importance of mentorship. Like you've had, you've been real lucky, you said, in finding the right person at the right time to help you be a better you. Yep. And, and that's now something that you pay it forward in your own business. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm very lucky. I've got uh, uh, two magnificent children, two magnificent... They've chosen two magnificent partners. Um, and so they don't need much of a hand. But uh, before I came in here, I had a phone call from somebody who uh, who needs a hand. And so I, so I gave that what I can to them. But most of it's about helping them to think something through, helping them to have some confidence rather than being just the solution. Mm. Well... That's, that's a great point for us to take a quick break. We're going to be back in a little bit here with Re- Rex Buckingham, uh, and he's going to tell us more about what he's learned in the, his 50 years of uh, business experience and uh, talk a little bit more about his book. tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. Su Radio Italia 1, la rubrica mensile del Coasit del Sud Australia. Il nostro comitato di assistenza agli italiani si impegna a promuovere il benessere e la salute della nostra comunità. Volete scoprire come accedere alle informazioni e ai servizi di orientamento del COASIT per garantire serenità alla nostra vita? Ascoltate la rubrica mensile ogni primo sabato del mese alle ore 10 su Radio Italia 1. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. Radio Italia 1 invita i propri tesserati, ascoltatori e sostenitori a rinnovare la tessera annuale Amici Radio Italia 1. L'invito è esteso anche a tutti coloro che non sono mai stati soci sostenendo così la radio. Il vostro sostegno è essenziale per mantenere sempre viva la voce di Radio Italia 1 che vi giunge direttamente nelle vostre case. Radio Italia 1, la radio del futuro, la radio della comunità italiana. We're back with Radio Italia Uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with published author Rex Buckingham, uh, business mentor and problem solver, and he's going to continue to tell us uh, about what he's, some, a little bit, of what he's learned in the last 50 years uh, of being a business consultant and business owner. So in the last session, you were talking about uh, your education and the first position you had out of school. Uh, can, can we move into the second job that you had? Well, we could do. Um, I guess the jobs, all the jobs I had, I never had any experience in the industry that I took the job in. Hmm. And so um, I would say to the state managers who would be hiring me, why did you hire me? And they'd say, well, because you seem to be so dynamically positive. 
And so I, I learned over the years, Matt, that um, you can have all kinds of credentials, but you've got to have a can-do attitude. You've got to find a way of making things happen, not understanding why things don't happen. Mm. And so I was actually successful in all the jobs uh, because I had the attitude of, well, what do we need to achieve? Mm-hmm. I learned early on that perhaps we don't always know what it is we're actually looking to achieve, and so let's get some clarity about that, and then let's go and do it. And what I also found, and I don't know that I was clever enough to, to devise this myself, but maybe it was just subconsciously, I'd look around for the people who were perhaps not showing the, uh, the energy and not showing the self-belief, and I'd work with them. And uh, so it would be me and others who would achieve the results. And I, I learnt it wasn't about me achieving the results, it was about the results being achieved. Mm. And there was, if there's more than one person, then we should all be uh, in it and, 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 and getting there. So as a business consultant, I always had the attitude of, of wanting to become redundant. So when I came into uh, a business, then I'm there to help the business owner uh, identify what's not working and lead them into conversations that help them get past their habit thinking into perhaps new ways of, of tackling something. So a fellow called Edward de Bono is a, is a favourite of mine and um, so he a lot of his thinking uh, guided me as well. So I had quite diversely different jobs uh, and uh, but I was able to bring, I think, how I work with people into each of those jobs and so, yes, in the end, uh, they all worked out fine. I think I remember I, well, I remember reading in your book that you talked about um, you went into a job, and I can't remember the name of the company, I'm sorry, but you went into a job uh, and they hired you again because they said because of your uh, enthusiasm and your, and your attitude. And you decided, I think, in a few weeks that everybody else had the opposite attitude and enthusiasm. And you fired everybody, I think, that, uh, is, I think uh, is what I remember, or almost yeah. everybody. No, that, that, was, and, that, that was my first state manager's role. Okay. And um, that was one of, one of the most amazing uh, managing directors, a fellow called Don Lowe, who's now passed. And he was an amazing uh, 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 leader. And he didn't hire me. His his general manager hired me. And so there I am with my first state manager's role in a business I had no idea about, a very diverse business. And uh, I went down and uh, took over the, the, the branch. They had five staff. And within uh, by the end of the second day, I think it was, I'd found they were all stealing things. And they wow. were stealing things so blatantly because they'd been used to doing it. They're actually backing their cars in, <laughs> honestly. And here I am, brand-new state manager. And I'm, what are you doing? Oh, this is this is this is this stuff is not needed. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so I, I rang. So I, I dismissed all of them, mm. and uh, this is going back a fair while now, Matt. This is maybe before things didn't get quite so politically correct. And so I rang the the managing director, Don. And I said, Don. He said, How's it going? How's it going? Your first couple of days. I said, I just rang to say that uh, I've just sacked all the staff. He said, What? <laughs> and I said, Yes. They were all stealing, and so they had to go. And so you didn't think about ringing me and asking me. I said, no, no, I didn't because I'm the state manager and this is my job. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that at the end of that year, so anyone I hired, the and I, I had this attitude the whole way through all of my different positions, they must not have been salespeople before, even though it was a sales job, mm. and they must have no experience in the industry because what I didn't need was people being recirculated from my competitors. Mm. 
And at the end of that first year, we wrote the most business at the most profit the branch had ever had with brand new people who knew nothing wow. about the business except they could go and talk to a client. And um, you might have read in the book that I have this uh, concept called ask, listen, ask, listen, Oh, yeah, ask. we're going to talk about that, absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know that I knew it as a concept back then, but I would say to, say to the staff, shut up. Just shut up. Walk in and uh, say hello and, and, and have your minute of getting to know somebody and then mm-hmm. say, what, what's working? How can we help you? Mm-hmm. you know, don't go in to make a sale. Go in to see how we can help them. And if we can help them, then you might make a sale. Mm. Okay? But don't assume. Don't, be half, don't let them get halfway through a sentence and you butt in. Let them finish their sentence and then ask them, about their sentence and you'll find they'll often change the sentence they gave you first Mm. when you actually show some genuine interest Mm. and it's genuine interest genuine interest yeah not phony interest genuine Uh, and it was and we're not there to 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 meet our sales budget we're there Mm. to see if we can help you you know Mm. just put the whole thing on its bottom Wow, couple couple things I'd just like to to point out there that you said. I, I, you reminded me of a quote, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it a while ago. It says, uh, "You should you have to be fired with enthusiasm, or you will be fired with enthusiasm." Yes, <laughs> I don't remember where I heard that, but it just made me think of it when you were talking. Yeah, no, see, that's that's a really. In- I mean, if you're going to be careful here, if you're going to keep giving me me ins, this this will go through. To- not 9.30. Well, uh, we'd be lucky to be able to keep you <laughs> till 9.30. See, that, that statement is one that I, I, I would... Um, I know you'd take ha- exception because oh, you're no, a kinder... I, ha- I have no? to take exception to I know, you're a kinder, gentler manager, I know. Uh, no, 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 no? no, it's not about that. Uh, the emotionally intelligent attitude mm. uh, is that kinder is usually not kind. Uh-huh. Um, but if you want to sack somebody... You first should look at yourself if you're of the course, manager. I you know, agree with that. Because you're actually sacking the mirror image of mm. who you are. So if you hired somebody, if you're at all competent in hiring, unless you hired the wrong person, mm. um, then something you've done. Yeah, I always, took it, I always took it harder than, well, not always, but it, it seemed to me like I took it harder when I had to let somebody go than when. Uh, th- th- I took it harder because I felt like I failed. Yeah. I didn't, I w- I didn't re- uh, manage them properly or lead them properly. Matt, one of the things I, I did was I, I uh, started up a recruitment company here in Adelaide. Mm. And so we, I had that for two years. And uh, we, we got some fairly decent clients in that two years. And the way I got them was I'd go along to, to, um, to, to quote on a job. And I'd find myself very often saying to the person, the managing director, the senior jobs, you know, I'm not quite sure that the person you're wanting me to hire is the person that your company needs. Mm. Can we talk about your strategic direction? Because the fact that you've just lost somebody might be a golden opportunity Mm. to put the right person in, and it may not be the job that you're telling me to do. And also there's probably people inside the business 
that you're overlooking because you've looked at their brand, their current brand, and you, you haven't seen what they can be. And that, that always goes back to how I was at school. I was never seen as being someone who was worthy. And very often we can walk past very worthy people in our business and we've put them into a slot and we don't even see them. Mm. But that's the person we're going to get to teach the new person, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're not good enough to be yeah, the person. and that kills the morale too. That's right. So, oh, my gosh, it does. Uh, in, in the recruitment company, Matt, we uh, did a lot of exit interviews. Mm-hmm. And I'd say as much as 50% of the people who had left the job left the job because there was nothing like they were told it was going to be. Mm. Nothing. Mm. And, That's so important. And about 30% left because the job was toxic, mm. so bad culture. And that, that of course, goes reflects back on the of so-called leader. I, I can't remember who said this, too, but you just made me think of something. It said that a company is just a lengthened shadow of one man. Uh, you know, th- this is an old quote 30, 40 years ago. Of course, yeah. now we have wonderful female CEOs. But, you know, that was the point is, is that the leader is the one that's uh, you know, creating the culture. Yes, that's right. And so I'm not going to disagree with that one. So mm. I gave you a that's one in a row for I, me. I gave you a free kick there. <laughs> um, but it is unless you are the solution. Mm. You know, come to me and I'll give you the solution. And that's too often seen as leadership well, it just isn't. No. And Matt, you've got a substantial background in the services. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in the services, there's a lot of command and control and for all kinds of you know, wonderful reasons. But one of the things I say to people is, if you are the chief, your job is to be the facilitator, mm-hmm. not the solution. You know, mm. One plus a number should equal greater than the sum of the number. So it's not a, it's not a case of gather around and listen to me and go and do as I tell you. Is gather around and let's talk about what we need to achieve. Well, we talked about this a little bit once before, and you know that's one of the things that makes the U.S. military unique is that you know we have a strong middle officer corps and a strong NCO corps, and 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 even Patton, which I'm sure you probably have heard of him, everybody, uh, General Patton, four-star general, World War II, American. He said, uh, and I'm getting this close, but I I might be off a word or two. He said, you know, never tell your men what to do. Excuse me, how to do something is what he said. Never tell your men how to do something. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their ingenuity. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a great comment. Again, reflecting back into my consulting uh, career, which is still, I'm still consulting now, and the recruitment I would say at least 80% of the briefs I was given were wrong. Mm. People wanting to solve an effect rather than work out what the cause Mm. of the effect was. Mm. And so the trouble is that when you become the solution giver, people people just sign off of even thinking about whether you're trying to solve the the, the problem. Mm. And we go into a thing called groupthink, and we agree with you because you expect us to agree with you. And then we go outside for a water cooler and convince each other how it's not going to work. Mm. Wow. Well, there's some keen insights there. Uh, we're going to be back here in just a little bit with uh, Rex Buckingham, and he's going to impart more knowledge upon us uh, that he's picked up over the last 50 years as a successful business person. It's uh, 631.
star bene ogni mercoledì dalle 10 alle 11 con Patrizia e Rosa Maria solo su Radio Italia 1 87.6 FM Gallipo Foods dal 1983 lida australiano nella vendita di distribuzione di una vasta gamma di generi alimentari tra i quali il prosciutto Spears dal gusto unico e delicato al palato innovazione, professionalità e forte rapporto con dipendenti clienti e fornitori fanno di Gallipo Foods uno dei distributori più grandi rispettati e premiati in tutta Australia Gallipo Foods stima, fiducia e qualità Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Rex Buchanan, uh, Buckingham, sorry. Uh, you weren't president of the United States, sorry about no, that. Right. Rex Buckingham, uh, este- uh, published author, high-speed business consultant with over 50 years experience. Uh, you know, it's, it's been an awesome sh- show so far, Rex, and I, but I'm sure the guests are wondering how they can learn more from you because... We're just scratching the surface on on so many different things, uh, and there's so much more to talk about. How can they hear more about you and what services you provide? And well, it's it's quite complicated actually, Matt. You've got to actually ring me, mm. and uh, if you sort of think about my name, and I'll I'll, I'll say this, and I'm not too far up myself. So my first name's Rex, and uh, in Latin that's King. Mm. And then if you think about all the, all the horrible things happening right now with the royal family and the Queen passing, she used to live at Buckingham Palace, and my last name's Buckingham, so King Buckingham. So if you put in, not King, but if you put in Rex Buckingham into Google, that'll, that'll find me. Okay. Or Colour Thinking or Leadership Thinking Academy. And uh, the way it sort of works is this, that I just want to talk to you first. I may not be the right person. Uh, it, it might be in a, in a five-minute conversation I can just say something that just, just might, turns your mind just one degree and there, there was an answer just sitting there or you, or you just needed a little confidence about something. Um, but if we do happen to get together and, and, uh, and perhaps we can work together a little bit, we'll, we'll have very clear objectives and always my motivation is to become redundant. I don't sign contracts. We work together as long as we uh, get on and we achieve something. So Rex Buckingham, give me a buzz. Oh, if you buy my book, and Matt twisted my arm, and, and there is a special I'm going to be able to give you at the end of our, our conversation today. If you buy the book, um, then you get an hour with me free of charge. All right, great stuff. Well, I, I really enjoyed your chapter on ALALA. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? And, uh, and, and I like the example you gave about how it helped out a family that's struggling. We talked a lot about business, but yeah. a lot of the things that we talk about with business are obviously applicable uh, to our lives. So let's, let's use, use it from a, a personal life type because yeah. uh, there might be listeners going, I don't have a business. This is all great, but you know, what's that mean for me? Well, my attitude, Matt, is that uh, we are one person. Mm. It's business or it's being employed, mm-hmm. uh, it's earning money, and it's, and it's, and it's us as people, mm-hmm. uh, as spouses, as, as parents, as children. And so um, the book, a lot of the book is about interpersonal relationship. How, how, how can we just get on better? And a lot of it's about just, for heaven's sake, shut up. 
and show an interest in somebody else and not own the conversation. Mm. And and don't, and don't judge and 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 you know, don't look for fault. You know, just help people be the best they can be, and that's really the underlying factor of the book. How can we be be the best we can be? And I spoke about it a little bit uh, earlier on today when I, I spoke about uh, how we were successful in business, getting the salesman to go in with the idea of how can we help you, and to ask people questions and to ask about their answers. So ask, listen, ask, listen, ask is a concept. And I say to people, it's not ask, listen, and it's not ask, listen, ask. It's ask, listen, ask, listen, ask. And that's that's how it works. You know, you can't sort of uh, uh, make it abbreviated. And so I say to people, think about the, the car. The car's running out of fuel. Just seeing a petrol station isn't enough. Pulling in and, and parking next to the Bowser isn't enough putting your fingers around the, the hose and holding into the air still hasn't done enough. Pulling back the cap and poking the, the nozzle into the car, still not enough. You know, holding the nozzle for three seconds, you're not going to get very far. It's a concept. You've got to do the whole thing to get the car to work. And the same with ask, listen, ask, listen, ask. So I was uh, I had some people in a, in a group I was working with, and the, the mother came over to me at the end and she said, Rex, she said, this has all been really, really good and I found it very helpful. But in the interval, uh, I had a phone call from the school and our son is going to be uh, suspended from school because of his behaviour. And uh, this is not the first time. And uh, my, f- my husband and he uh, aren't talking and, and the uh, house, household right now is very fraught because of his behaviour. And uh, I know he's going, the father's going to be absolutely ropeable when he finds out that we're going to go and have to see, see the headmaster. And so can you explain to me how the ALALA works? Because I think there's something in there that I can use. And so I said, well, first of all, what De Bono says is uh, with the benefit of hindsight. So what happens when your son comes, comes home each day? And she said, it's, it's almost exactly the same Every day he comes in with his bike, he lets the bike fall against the shed so we know he's home and we see the disrespect of the bike. That's enough to set my husband off and also really it sets me off as well. Mm. He comes into the house and and I say to him, hi darling, how was your day? And I said, so is that what you say? I say it every day. And what does he do? He doesn't answer. He walks past me and he goes into his room. That's what happens every day. Okay, so you know it happens that way and it's not satisfactory and you keep doing it. So let's stop blaming the sun and let's not bother blaming you either, but we do know something is not working. So let's identify what we could do differently. So if you know, do you know he comes into the backyard? Yes, the the, the, the gate squeaks. Okay, so you get a bit of an idea. He arrives home much at the same time, so... Go out to him and meet him by the garage. Take the bike from him. Show him, you know, that you're there for him and you're not, and you're not going to be negative already. Walk back with him into the house. Now, he walks past you and goes into his bedroom. So why don't you think about, he'd he be hungry being a young man. What's his favourite sandwich? So how about if you have the sandwich ready for him and, and say to him, hey, how about just stopping and having a, having a, having a bite with me? You know, Invent an entire new way. But you've got to ask him questions and you've got to listen and then you've got to ask him about what he said. That's going to anchor him. 
because I think the normal conversation was you would just tell him, don't drop your bike. Don't walk past me. Because this is the conversation you had with me earlier. So let's set up a whole new arrangement that will be nothing like either of you done before. And uh, so we talked about it a couple uh, a bit longer, and off she went. And that evening I got a phone call, and she said, well, this is, how, this is what happened, Rex. I did all the things that you said. He was surprised to see me in the backyard. He could sort of see something was different when I took his bike from him, and he walked into the house, and I had his favourite sandwich, and he actually stopped, and he sat on the stool, and we started talking. Mm. Now, that was the first time in months... And so we ended up sitting in, in the couch just around the corner in the lounge and we're talking and I'm keeping him... It, it was very hard because I wanted to... I wanted actually to argue about some of the things he was saying. I wanted to tell him stuff, but I'm not allowed to under A-L-A-L-A. I've got to ask the questions. And it was really testy for me to not to go back into my own habits. Mm. And my husband came around the corner... And he saw uh, me talking to my son, and it, it was obviously different because normally my son wouldn't be there. Hmm. And he knew that, in fact, that we have to go and see the headmaster. But my husband sat down, and suddenly the three of us are there having a conversation which we hadn't done for months. And we got in the car and went down to the school and... Um, into the headmaster's office, and the headmaster said, oh, well, you know why you're here. And, the, and my husband said, before you go any further, we have to apologise. Our son is acting out because we haven't been showing him the right amount of respect. We have been very busy, and we just haven't been attending to him. And to be honest, we've been very cross with him because of the way he's been acting. And we, and we see that, in fact, that's as much about us as it is him. Oh, I, I forgot to say, Matt, that the young man was on suicide watch. Mm. And so the, the whole thing was just at the end of, of the trail. And the key to the thing was changing, changing the habit behaviours and the, the major key was shutting up, asking and listening. And mm. of all the things I've done in all of my life, that concept, I've had more positive feedback about helping people to get out of the habit of just owning the air. Mm. We had a we had a fabulous guest here a couple of weeks ago named David Moran. I'm not I don't know if you know him yes, or I not, do. but yes. but he's uh, runs a company called uh, Mental Health Partners. I think it is. Yeah, very good. And uh, he, that was the big point he made when you, whenever you talk to somebody that has a mental uh, uh, challenge, you know that listening is the really the only and the most powerful thing you can do to help them. You know, listening, Matt, and not being the solution. Mm. Listening, you know, because th this young man, he knew he was being naughty. Mm. You know, he didn't need to be told every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a good point. And, wow. And, and Matt Moran has a, has a wonderful... Um, I, I've done his suicide awareness uh, course... And it's it's really worthwhile. Yeah, no, he's he's an outstanding uh, individual, you know, with what he's doing, and I love having him as a guest. He can make he could. I was telling somebody, I was telling him the other day. I said, David, you can read your uh, grocery list and make it sound thought out, and considered. <laughs> Just a wonderful presentation yeah, as well. Right. 
you know, it's a great skill he's got. Well, uh, it's uh, 6.46. We're going to uh, be back in just a little bit and wrap things up with Rex, not President of the United States, Buckingham. Our independence is everything. Brazier Mobility has been creating independence for people for over 30 years. Brazier Mobility specialises in tailored vehicle solutions to keep you active, ensuring your vehicle modification suits your needs, offering you unlimited freedom. Brazier Mobility boasts a team of highly skilled technicians working in a state-of-the-art facility located here in South Australia. No compromises are made when it comes to client satisfaction. Call them for a friendly chat on 1800 Brazier or visit their website braziermobility.com.au Brazier Mobility, creating independence. Sono Nicola Carè. Credo che gli italiani all'estero siano cittadini italiani con gli stessi diritti dei cittadini residenti in Italia. Mi impegnerò per il riacquisto della cittadinanza, per finalizzare un accordo o l'accordo di sicurezza sociale in Nuova Zelanda, per l'accoglienza delle nuove mobilità in Australia per la ristrutturazione dell'AIRA che così chiaramente non funziona e per migliorare i servizi consolari per maggiori investimenti nella promozione di lingua italiana nel mondo dammi fiducia, vota PD e alla Camera scrivi carè Angela, vai presto, dobbiamo iniziare tutti i mercoledì dalle 2 alle 5 non ci manca niente ci avevo qua, ci avevo là, ci avevo su, ci avevo giù, ci avevo tu Romeo Foodland, al servizio della comunità da oltre 30 anni, con onestà, cortesia e professionalità. Prodotti locali e importati di alta qualità, prezzi imbattibili. Antonio, Lisa, Romeo e figli ringraziano la clientela e vi invitano a visitare i loro supermercati, incluso il negozio organico di Nord Edalaide, dove riceverete gratuitamente i consigli della naturopata. Romeo Foodland, da valore alla tua famiglia. Special, ferette di baccalà 15,99 al chilo, tonno sole mare 185 grammi 2,49, provaloni dolce soresina 15,99 al chilo, mortadella San Marino dolce o piccante 9,99 al chilo, pasta all'uovo di vella, pappardelle o tagliolini 2,49. La Romeo Food and Store, Croydon, Rosewater, Campbelltown, Salisbury East, Maghiu, Rostrevan, Ethelstone, Lockley. Moison Like, il Kenny e Port Adelaide. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a great show. Uh, it's really flown by. Um, Rex, in, your, in the little bit of time we have left, with your 50 years experience as a business consultant, I know one thing that you're really passionate about right now is branding. Uh, and, and by branding, you don't mean just do it like Nike. You're talking about personal branding. Can you tell us about that? In the, in the three minutes I've got left, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, My brand was Aniba, and then it wasn't because of someone just 
doing something for me and taking me forward. And so in this last few seconds, it's about who are you today? Do you know who you want to be? As you look around at other people, do you uh, recognise other people's positive traits and you would like to be some of those? And so I've gone to some length in my book to help people work through a process of identification so that you can actually f- say, I like this about me, I'm not too sure about this, uh, I'll, I'll take some feedback on this. And it sort of takes you through a process where you can actually, if you like, rebrand yourself um, Sometimes we copy other people, we become replicas of other people, mm. you know, particularly out of school. So sometimes we don't even know who we are, mm. let alone know who we could be. And my, my, uh, through my experience, Matt, I've seen no, so many people uh, n- not knowing how good they could be. So you might meet somebody at a party and they say, oh, oh, I say, what do you do? And they say, oh, I'm just an electrician. And I say, well, how do you mean just? I mean, you're an electrician, you know. A lot of people put themselves down and a lot of people are put down. Mm. So if you if you want to have a really good go at saying, today I'm 19, today I'm 29, today I'm 59, what could I be? I think my book would help you uh, go through that. And so uh, the offer that uh, Matt's uh, sort of squeezed out of me, <laughs> not really, uh, is that if you, if you go onto my website, and that's Leadership Thinking Academy, you'll find that you can buy the book. And if you put into the code capital R-E-X, my name's Rex, capital R-E-X 50, then I'll pay half the cost of the book and you pay half the cost of the book. And uh, with that, you get um, an hour of my time. So I usually charge $300 an hour. And uh, you get an hour, an hour of my time. And the good thing about it, Matt, is I don't even have a watch on. You know, so if it takes an hour and a half or two hours, well, that's okay because I'm interested. You know, I'm 74 now. Uh, I'm relatively fit and I'm interested. So uh, I might be able to help. You only char- I thought you charged way more than $300 an hour. Yes, well, I'm, I'm a gift giver. Okay. Wow. And that's not just the cheesy old sales technique of, is that all? I actually did think you charged way more than that. No, no, no. no. Okay. Because you're definitely worth it. Mm. So, uh, well, we're going to uh, just one quick last question here. Um, What do you, why do you think it's so important for a person to know their brand? Because if you don't know who you are, then who are you? Yeah, and and your kids will be working it out. And are you the brand that your kids? Are you the brand you want your kids to think you are? Mm. Are you the brand that you want your spouse to think you are? You know, just use today as a moment to just take a chance and take a look. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank Rex for being here today, uh, and I want to thank Mark Aston for paneling for us. But most of all, I want to thank all of you for listening. As always, I'm going to leave you with a brief inspirational message. The other day, I was thinking about Matt Emmons. See, Matt Emmons was preparing to compete in the Olympic trials for the rifle team in the 2004 Olympics. He walked over to his allegedly secure locker at the U.S. Olympic Training Center to get his rifle and found out it had been sabotaged by a screwdriver. 
He borrowed a rifle, which at that level is extremely difficult, as his rifle, of course, was precisely tuned and zeroed in for him as far as his sights, action, barrel, etc. Despite this obstacle and his relatively young age and the fact that he had to find, find someone to borrow a rifle with almost no notice to compete, he competed and he made the team. Later, after he won his first gold medal in the Athens 2004 Olympics, he was only one shot away from winning a second gold medal in the three positions event. He went into that shot with a three-point lead, a very comfortable lead for a competitive shooter. His next shot was dead center and a bullseye on the competitor's target. He went from first to eighth and did not win a medal, but he didn't give up. He competed again in the Olympics in 2008. He won a silver in the 50-meter prone position. In the 50-meter three positions, in the qualification round, he ended up again one shot behind the leader. He was leading again until the very last shot, and this time he blew it again and didn't win a medal. But he didn't give up. In the 2012 Summer Olympics, in the 50 meters three-position event, the event that in the last two Olympics he had missed a medal by blowing his last shot, he won a bronze. What do we learn from Matt Emmons? Well, a lot of things. But I just want to focus on four things. Obviously, we learn that failure is not fatal and persistence pays off. We learn not to give up. When an obstacle is thrown up at us at the last minute, just like he didn't give up, when his rifle was sabotaged, he drove on and did his best. We also learn that just like the ancient Chinese proverb of the family that gets the horse, that events are often neither positive or negative. They just are and can lead to the next event. In Matt Emmons' case, because of his hitting the wrong target, a beautiful young Czech shooter named Katarina Kirkova and her father came over and introduced themselves to him after his devastating loss to give him comfort. They gave him a four-leaf clover keychain. They told him that they felt so bad about what happened and offered him encouragement for the future. About three years later, Katarina and he were married and ended up with four beautiful children. The fourth thing we learn reminds us that if we focus on the wrong target or wrong goal, we lose even if we hit it. And finally, we are reminded that there are two kinds of people in the world. The ones that give up when they hit an obstacle, that give up when they experience failure, and focus on the wrong things, and then... There's the type of person who will not be deterred by obstacles, who will realize that failure is not fatal and can lead to the next success and will focus on the right things and the things that matter. The question is, as always, which one are you? Radio Italia 1. Sono le 18 e 58 minuti. Italia 1 News. Buongiorno, bentrovati dalla redazione. 
A Londra è il giorno dell'ultimo addio alla regina Elisabetta II. Il rito funebre della sovrana sarà il passaggio più alto di un cerimoniale scandito da un preciso protocollo che si rispiegherà nell'arco di 13 ore, inaugurato alle 6.30 ora locale dalla chiusura del feretro esposto a Westminster Hall. Ma gli occhi del mondo si concentreranno soprattutto sull'abbazia di Westminster, dove i resti di Elisabetta arriveranno portati in processione dove alle 12 ora italiana inizierà il rito funebre. Intanto si contano 2000 personalità presenti all'ultimo addio della regina Elisabetta tra cui i reali e leader mondiali in rappresentanza di circa 200 paesi. Tra questi il presidente degli Stati Uniti Joe Biden e la first lady Jill, il capo di stato italiano Sergio Mattarella accompagnato dalla figlia Laura e il presidente francese Emmanuel Macron e quello tedesco Steinmeier. Non ci sarà invece il presidente cinese Xi Jinping che ha ricevuto l'invito ma il vicepresidente Wang Kishan e non ci sarà ovviamente Vladimir Putin la Russia infatti non è stata invitata ultima settimana di comizi nel frattempo in Italia con la campagna elettorale Rush finale in una lunga intervista rilasciata al giornale la leader di Fratelli d'Italia Giorgia Meloni attacca la sinistra e parla di fake news mai viste Enrico Letta in Germania vede il premier Scholz Matteo Salvini invece a Rò ieri la doppia sfida in Lombardia Salvini a Pontida e Letta a Monza dall'Ucraina il presidente Zelensky ha commentato l'attacco di questa notte sulla centrale vicino a Mikolaev. La Russia mette in pericolo il mondo intero, dobbiamo fermare.